have it. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. A few moments later. You're an official sound <laughs> bite on my board. Yes. You've made welcome it. To sh- welcome to Shaken and Disturbed, everyone. I oh. am Derek. Uh, ooh, I am Darren Carp, <laughs> and I'm here with John Thrasher, who has made me. Hello. I feel like we're like, am I monogamous with Nadine? Yes, but I feel like <sighs> I haven't made her soundboard yet, and I've made your soundboard. So and I, I just maybe you and I are married. In a sense, we are for sure. In I mean, a sense. all these years we've spent. I was just. I think weren't we just saying this? Like I. I don't know if it was on the show, but I was like, who do you talk to <laughs> more than me on a weekly basis? Because between this show and the other things we've got going on, we better like I mean, each other. And we do. We really do. That's the great, that's the joy of uh, us. We really do. We, we do. That, we really that enjoy each other. is the joy of us. <laughs> um, but anyway, how was your week? Was it good since we recorded NMR? Did anything major it happen to you that you need to update us on? No? I mean, I, I mean... Well, let's get right into the drinks. I'm having hot tea with lemon. Can you guess what that means? Well, honestly, you might be able to normally hear it. it just normally it's just me guessing that you're being a little bitch boy, but in actuality, <laughs> um, it's uh, it's because <sighs> your allergies are flaring up. And to be oh fair, not to even tease you about it, because I know I normally do, but I like, know. literally every person, like I went out to brunch with my friend Arielle the other day, and she was like, I don't have COVID. She's pregnant. She's like, I don't have COVID. I genuinely just have very bad allergies right now. And same yeah. with my mom. My mom's been like. Oh, really? Yeah, really bad. Really oh, bad. So something's sorry. clearly in the air here. I literally. mean, yeah, it is in the air. Literally, the po- it's called pollen. And um, Does hot, does tea actually help clean up your sinuses? Just, not necessarily that way. It just soothes my voice. And it kind of, you know, hot drinks tend to sort of clear up for your voice in general. But. You know, it just makes me feel better. Lemon is a good um, natural ingredient for, like, your immune system and things like that. So I just, I like to have that as my drink. Obviously, it's better than, like, a, you know, a a Moscow mule, you know, or something like Mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. But anyway, um, yeah, what, I mean, aside from that, I know a lot of people, you you have to be careful too, Darren, up there in New York, because I know so many New Yorkers who have COVID right now. The ones who don't have COVID are like you and have allergies. And it's like, gosh, can we get a break from all this shit, you know? I actually just got my fourth shot. Oh, did you? Um, yeah, my fourth. I, I, I like want to say fourth booster shot, but you know what I mean. Just the yeah, fourth like your shot. It's fourth a booster, iteration. whatever. Yep, yep. Right. So it's, I'm sort of, I'm hopefully going to be protected a little bit more yeah. with that. But, um, You're making I, me want to. Dude, if you come up to New York City in the next few weeks, and I know we have to get into this week's case. Yeah. yeah. If you come up to New York City, if you really do have bad allergies, yeah. Do you know, you know what a soup dumpling is, right? Oh my, are you kidding? I love soup dumplings, yes. Well, there's this place called The Bow in New York City that's right by me in the East Village. It's like one of my favorite spots. And they have amazing soup dumplings. But the reason their soup dumplings are good is because they make wasabi soup dumplings. So the soup is literally like, oh my, like it will, you, it was like a, like a tiger bomb in your sinuses. Like (laughs) you will just drain yourself. So if you come up and you're struggling, I'm going to force you to like eat it because even though it's so spicy, you are going to feel cleared. Like it, it just has to do, it is literally like a colonic 
for your, <laughs> for your face. fucking face. It's imagine a I eat it. one and you're like videotaping it and it's just like, imagine like a hose behind my skull and like water's just like shooting out of every Correct. thing. Correct. Yeah, listen, I'm down for that. If it gives me any kind of relief, I would love to have a face colonic. Yeah, for well, sure. Well, who doesn't want a face colonic? Yeah. And that those are always key. Uh, it is a rainy day today <clears throat> and I... Have been honestly back to back to back all day, and I know, I'm feeling you a little tired, and I want to bring my energy up. So I am actually pulling a John Thrasher today, okay. and I'm just having some coffee because nice. I want to make sure that I've got pep in my voice for this <laughs> podcast. So, there you uh, go. John, before we continue through, a while back I was talking about these incredible THC gummies. Oh my God, are they so great. You probably remember me talking about microdosing before here on the show. If you search around a bit on the internet, you'll find all sorts of people microdosing to feel healthier. Our show today is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. For me, honestly, my biggest use is to have a creative boost sometimes later in the day after I'm done with work and I have to write something. This is so important. It's light, it's easy, and I feel the creative juice is flowing. But also, it really helps for my anxiety, and that way I can sleep better. I have 900,000 jobs, including taking care of John Thrasher here, people. So it really helps to calm my anxiety and help me sleep. It's honestly amazing. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, just do a quick search online or go to microdosegummies.com and use code SHAKEN to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description, but again, that's microdosegummies.com, code SHAKEN. In 2021, Whoa. nearly months ago, I know, kind of a throw, kind of threw you for that a little I, bit. You, for that, you threw it? me, you threw me. Be- I was excited about this research when uh, Megan sent it to us because I was like, oh, a new one. Because we've been doing like 70s, 80s, even some 90s stuff, but we haven't yeah. done a more recent thing. But in 2021, 30-year-old Jessica Edwards lived with her husband. Wait a minute. I know someone named Jessica Edwards. I hope Uh-oh. this isn't about her. Um, should I call her and make sure? We'll find out. Anyway, uh, she lived with her husband, 22-year-old Taj Hutchinson, in South Windsor, Connecticut, with her eight-month-old eight son, Jaden. Jessica and Taj lived near Jessica's parents and sister. Jessica was close with her family and talked with them almost every day. Around 8.15 p.m. on May 8th, Jessica left to go to her mother's house in East Hartford to pick up Jaden, returning home around 11.30 p.m. This is a good time. I didn't start by saying this, but I want to um, because NMR was too early this week. I just want to say happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. That's right. Including my own mother, including your butterfly mother, John Thrasher, because we know she loves a butterfly. That's right. Thank you. She uh, loves a butterfly. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there before we get into this grueling case i just wanted to put that case, out there yeah. yes I just thank you no that. that's a great point yes oh oh but wait i'm sorry was there another mother that you wanted to make sure you said no i think about? this is good no no, no, no. i feel like me. i got it's not me no 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 no. Hmm. i got um my mom your mom wow. yeah i feel pretty good yeah no i feel pretty good about okay. that okay yeah I feel see, good about see what that. kind of relationship this is yep. wow <laughs> Anyways, I'm sh- I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of messages from you guys today. So thank you, but no thank you to you, Dan. Yeah, correct. I um, will thank you when I get my Christmas gift. Anyway. I know, your Taco Bell game. Um, okay, so she returned home around 11.30 p.m. that night. This visit was essentially the last time Jessica's family saw her. 
On May 9th, Jessica's family reported being unable to reach her all day, which they thought was odd and out of character for her. We've talked about this a couple of times through the years. I even had my own tragic situation in my life with my uncle where people were trying to reach out to him. We later found out that he was unfortunately dead. It was a horrible day for, for many. And, you know, it's always one of those things now, and I think my family even has some, I don't know if PTSD is the right, correct term here. Definitely but trauma, for sure trauma. Some trauma around that. Like there was, a, you know, especially right after this happened with my uncle, when people would like call me, and I was only six years younger than my uncle, so he was really kind of like an older brother yeah. type of uh, personality to me. Um, you know, when my family would reach out to me, if I didn't respond to their text messages or their or their emails or their phone calls right away, they would start to panic, panic. understandably. Um, but eventually they realize, you know, that is 99.9% not usually an indicator that something yeah. is terribly wrong. But anyway. Well, you're just um, primed so I'll, to, you're, sorry, you're just primed to like see it that yeah. way. Also just want to point out that today, Sunday is May 8th. And uh, so this this essentially happened. She went missing. Last wow. time her family saw yeah. her was exactly a year ago, year ago today, if you're listening on Sunday. So just to kind of give it context that this case is still, yeah. they probably have the same thing that you guys have even years later. Yeah, so just, I'm sure. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, good point. I didn't even like make that connection there. Well, like I said, um, they had tried to reach her all day on May 9th. On May 10th at 1027, surveillance footage from a neighbor's camera shows a Jeep pulling up to Jessica's apartment where it remained parked until 10.43 p.m. So that's only about 20 minutes or so, yeah, not even 20 minutes. minutes. Yeah, yep. Yeah. At 10.46 p.m., South Windsor police received a 911 call from Jessica's sister, Yannick, requesting the police perform a welfare check on Jessica. So this is like minutes after the Jeep leaves, Yannick is like, hey, can you check on my sister? Yeah. Now, we don't know if Yannick knows that the Jeep has left, but the timing is just very interesting. She told police that she had gone to visit Jessica the previous night, not hearing from her all day. And this was very unusual, as she usually spoke to Jessica on a daily basis. By the way, I don't speak to pretty much anyone in my family on a daily basis. So do you talk to anyone? I know you're really close with your parents. My but. brother, me and my father all uh, send each other the wordle. So we always have conversations kind of surrounded gotcha. that every day. But it's not like yeah. we don't do like a family check-in. But I probably talk to my family almost every day, yeah. even if it's just every like day. a, oh, look at this article type of thing, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. You make contact. Correct. In some way or another. Well, as Yannick arrived to the house, Taj was standing outside of the hatch at the hatchback of his car, which he cl uh, quickly closed upon seeing her. Red flag. Mm -hmm. However, Yannick caught sight of something that looked suspicious in the trunk of the vehicle. She later told police she believed it may have been Jessica's body. Now, Yannick demanded Taj open the trunk of the car, but he refused and locked the trunk. Taj then got into the car and drove off. And as soon as Taj was gone, Yannick called 911. So lots of weird circumstances right here at the top of the show for you to think also, about. Also, <clears throat> I didn't even put this two, two and two together at the, t at the top. And I'm not saying this has anything to do with the case, but it's interesting that Jessica's 30 and her husband Taj is 22. It's just, it's very rare, I feel like, to find yeah, that age right. difference married so young with him at 22. So I wonder if that kind of plays into anything. But authorities are You are on your game today. I like it's it. It's my coffee. I'm having the John Thrasher special. <laughs> um, authorities arrived at Jessica's apartment and searched the home with the belief that Jessica might be in danger. 
However, investigators were unable to find any sign of a struggle inside the home. However, they were also unable to find Jessica. So the struggle is kind of really dependent on what she looks like. I mean, outside of the fact that they didn't see furniture being tossed over or things ripped or blood on the wall or anything like that. During the search, police found some divorce papers that Jessica had filled out but had not yet filed. And at 11.14 p.m., Taj arrived barefoot at a nearby police station to report his wife missing. Authorities immediately began canvassing the neighborhood for any information as to Jessica's whereabouts or witnesses who might be able to help shed some light on where she might be. On May 11th, just before 8 a.m., Yannick phoned the police again to make another report. She had parked her car outside Jessica's apartment and had noticed Taj walking out to the dumpster, quote-unquote, acting weird, with, quote-unquote, visible scratches on his face. Now, keep in mind, she's been missing now with no no contact for multiple days. Yeah, a couple days. So, the acting weird is obviously very subjective and I think can really only yeah. be said if you know somebody. You know, like one mm-hmm. man's weird just might be another man's normal. But obviously this is a person who is married to her sister, so she's aware of probably what he is like, quote-unquote, normally. Investigators noticed yeah. the scratches. They had not noticed them the night before. Which is a little weird. Um, but Taj had been yeah. wearing a mask inside the police station. Let's keep in mind, this is 2021 now. So this right. is perfectly well normal, uh, normalized now. Obviously, if this was 10 years ago and you told me you walked into a mask at the police station, <laughs> I'd probably question that a little bit. I'd be like, oh, that's yeah. an interesting pull. This is fine. So maybe they didn't notice the scratches. That day, authorities searched the area around Jessica and Taj's apartment complex, including the woods, a pond, and the dumpsters. But they didn't turn up any evidence. Detectives also seized pieces of Jessica's clothing to send to the state lab for investigation. And Taj left his apartment to stay with his parents in nearby Manchester. And later in the day, Taj agreed to let detectives do a forensic search of his cell phone. That says something to me. Either he's either really trustworthy or he did something to his cell phone. On May 13th, Taj was brought (laughs) into police headquarters where he was interviewed for three hours which is actually not that long. Sometimes we hear about these interrogations that are like 12 hours long and they're just exhausting the victim to the point mm-hmm. of like almost false act, false um, uh, confession. confession. Yeah. At this time, Taj agreed to, to a search of the three vehicles that he and Jessica shared. Taj also agreed to allow police to bring in a sniffer dog to help and try and find Jessica's phone. Which I think, so seems you amenable. know. He seems helpful. Yeah, I and it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess if someone does all of that, you do have to sort of be like, okay, well, I wouldn't question them as much. I wouldn't question yeah. them as much. But at the same time, remember last week's case with the guy dreaming something, and then he kind yeah. of then he gets accused, and he's not. So it's like, I don't mm-hmm. know. There's multiple ways to skin a cat here with their behavior. So let's see how it plays mm. out. Well, during the search of the cars, police found Jessica's driver's license, debit card, and a blanket, which had a, quote, possible blood-like substance on it. Police also found that the master bedroom door had been forced open, a sign of a possible earlier domestic violence incident. On May 14th, three cadaver dogs searched Jessica's apartment and all three cars, but didn't find anything. I'm assuming that means there was no blood or any kind of indication of anything along those lines. I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess. I'm not a professional. No but sign that's of what... like a decaying body or something. Right. You know, they're obviously trained for that. So, okay. Right. However, inside the home, a pillow in Taj and Jessica's bedroom was found with blood stains on it. 
not necessarily indicative of a murder, but, yeah. you know, there, there are probably experts who could take a look at the stain and figure out how it was caused. Mm -hmm. On May 15th, one of Jessica's neighbors phoned police to offer a potential evidence. The neighbor's home had a camera that faced Jessica's apartment. This is the joy of doing a modern case on the show is that yes. we have ring cameras now. Like, I was just going to say. Yeah. There are billions of iPhones in people's pockets. It's like such a different And security reality. footage. Like CCTV, yeah. it's like that guy, you know, um, James, who caught on the subway of shooting of shooting multiple people, yeah. didn't kill anyone. It's like as soon as they didn't, you know, as soon as he was a suspect at large, I was like, they're going to catch him with all the security, yeah. all the surveillance footage. In New footage. York City. Right. Yeah. It was bound to happen, um, at yeah. least where I was sitting from. But anyway, yeah. And it's like after 9-11, frankly, and frankly, the uh, advancement in technology and how easy it is to put a ring camera on your doorbell now. True. If you're a criminal looking to make uh, do something, especially in New York City, you might want to pick somewhere else. No I offense. I think so. But you're then, stupid. Then again, a lot of that. criminals aren't that smart. Yeah, well, that's yeah. fair. Well, anyway, um, detectives spent several days reviewing the tapes for possible leads. On May 20th, investigators were able to acquire cell phone data, phone? Cell phone <laughs> data from T-Mobile for both Taj and Jessica's cell phones. This is another thing that I just feel like I would assume in any criminal case, the first thing you want to do is look in someone's phone if you're able to legally acquire the information, the data in it. Yeah. And... I just feel like we don't hear about it enough, like especially in modern cases. They were relying on those cell phone towers in the 80s and 90s when they were not reliable, but these days it's weird. Exactly. Anyway, the cell phone data showed that on May 10th, Jessica's phone had connected with a tower near Labor Park in East Hartford. On May 11th, between 2.30 and 3 a.m., Jessica's phone connected again to the same tower near Labor Field. Hmm. At 7 p.m. on May 20th, detectives began using a drone to search a wooded area near Labor Field where they believed Jessica might be. However, it soon became dark and police were unable to find her. So I hope, you know, I think they're going to start this search over the next day, but I think the indication here is that maybe she's still with her phone or maybe at one point she was you know, at that location. So they're looking for her there, potentially. It on something. Yeah. On May 21st, police resumed the search early in the morning, to your point, John, and found a body that matched Jessica's description. Around 3.30 mm. that afternoon, the medical examiner was able to positively identify the body found in the woods as Jessica. She was identified mm. based on a birthmark on her left shoulder. And according to the autopsy, Jessica had trauma and compression to her neck and torso and had ultimately died of asphyxia, which means, you know, pr mm. pretty much that she was choked to death. Jessica's death yeah. was ruled a homicide, or suffocated, rather. Jessica's death was ruled a homicide. Yep. Authorities were stationed outside Taj's parents' house when Jessica's body was identified definitively. They broke the news to Taj, of course, and at this time, Taj spoke to police for about three hours. And during this time, he made an unexpected confession. Taj stated that on May 8th, he and his wife had spent the whole day arguing. Taj had recently given Jessica some guinea pigs as a gift, and Jessica had wanted had wanted to visit the nail salon, but Taj was worried the smell of acrylic nails would bother the guinea pigs and Ugh. didn't want her to get acrylic nails done. I mean, okay. <laughs> 
you know, if you're an animal lover, you're probably but understanding like, that. Under, I mean, but, maybe, but like, I don't, I never heard of this. I'm sure you could Google it. And also, so the entire time you have guinea pigs, you can't have nail polish on? Nail polish? That yeah, doesn't make a lot of sense. This caused the couple to bicker, and by the end of the day, Taj blocked Jessica on his phone, preventing her from calling oh him or contacting him via Facebook Messenger. The argument continued into the next day, May 9th, when, according to Taj, the fight became physical. Interesting details here. So Taj told detectives that Jessica began throwing objects at him and tried to hit him. And by the way, they're 22 and 30. It, this is sounding a little bit of a juvenile very bickering you know like especially the blocking type stuff very i find that extremely immature personally but anyway um taj admitted that he pushed jessica down and she hit her head on something and started to bleed oh god jessica left the apartment to pick up her son and returned to her home around 11:30 p.m. at which point she and taj continued to argue on may 10th according to taj the couple woke up in the morning and continued arguing. Like, is this st seriously all about nail polish and acrylic nails? Like, what? Yeah. Taj, but by the way, it does indicate that she was able to get up off of the ground, even though her head was bleeding. So it wasn't like a she got pushed down, knocked unconscious, and died. You know, she got up and went about her business. Um, but as I said, on May 10th, according to Taj, the couple woke up and started arguing. Taj stated that he had tried to calm Jessica down, but felt she had reached a breaking point. Mm -hmm. Just before 7 a.m., Taj logged on into Jessica's bank account and took two pictures of the computer screen with his cell phone. Oh, God. Okay, now we're getting into some very uncomfortable privacy territory here. Uh, Taj told investigators that Jessica had hit him on the head with the laptop being used to access her bank accounts. According to Taj, Jessica then went to the kitchen and took hold of a knife. Taj claimed he had wrestled with Jessica over the knife, pinned her down, and flipped her onto her stomach. Taj then knelt on Jessica's neck and back until she stopped moving, and eventually Taj realized that Jessica was dead. Now, this is his account, of course. You know, this is just making me think about how quickly, like, my dad always reminds me about how, like, quickly life can change. Like, it can really yeah. change in just, like, almost a split second that, like, I've never been physical with anyone, but in right. theory, could I imagine someone, I don't know, like, the emotion getting carried away and you just want to stop the person from yeah. freaking out at you or being physical with you. Like, I could see someone coming at me and me trying to restrain them to stop them from fighting me. Yeah. And yeah. pushing them down on the ground so much that, like, in theory, like, they lose yeah. consciousness or lose their ability to breathe. Like, it's so scary to me. Like, how far that feels of how I would react to that or how far that feels for me as a character feels very far. But when we're talking yeah. about it like this, it feels like also a decision that's a snap second decision yeah. that people also make. And so it's like hard for me to kind of as horrible as this is. And I obviously we don't know a lot of people who do this yeah. It is sort of this empathy thing. Heat of the moment. Kind of heat of the moment. Cause you're like, yeah, did he know what was the intention going into that? Is it like you push right. someone to get away from you and they slip and fall and break their neck is Are that you a your fault? Then? Right. Yeah. It, it's just, it, it's a lot of complications. Sorry. I just wanted to stay no, that. No, for sure. It's, no, it's, it's a great very point. Very interesting. Yeah. And we hear of so many cases where when you get in front of a jury, how do you even explain this in a way that a jury wants to understand that could not be compassionate, but understand the nuances of 
heat of the moment arguments and accidents and mishaps, you know? Right, and I think a sentence should change if, if you know, Taj is like, mm-hmm. I'm going to fucking kill my wife. Let's go in here. I'm going to murder her versus like, sure. I didn't know how to handle her because she kept fighting with me and she brought out a knife and it was self Like, even if the result is totally. Jessica is dead, that still should maybe change the intent and the sentencing. Yeah. So that's where we're kind of getting in the weeds here, I think, a little bit. Absolutely. And throughout the day, Taj left his dead wife's body in their apartment throughout the entire day on the floor under a blanket. During the day, Taj... Go ahead. I was just going to say that, 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 that's not a good sign. (laughs) Not a good sign, but I also wonder if he's just like shocked, you know, like maybe he's like, oh my God, what the hell did I just do? Totally. You know? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, during the day, Taj went out, uh, went about taking care of their son while avoiding phone calls from Jessica's family. In the evening, Taj loaded Jessica's body into the back of his car and drove away with it when Yannick came over. So it sounds like that is exactly what Yannick was suspicious of. By the way, let me just say this really quickly. If I'm Yannick and I come over and I suspect that my sister's dead body is in the back of a trunk... That car isn't going anywhere. I, would I will think be destroying not. the windshields. I would slash every tire. And I yeah. would deal with those repercussions later. But someone driving away with a body, like, and maybe that's because I'm a true crime podcaster and I know people who have lost their missing family members and how, you know, how that goes afterwards. But just just pointing out that there would be no way. And I, but this isn't a criticism of Yannick, by the way. I'm just putting myself no, in her no, shoes. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Of, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, so as I said, yes, yeah, he drove away. Taj brought Jessica to a wooded area about 10 to 15 minutes from his home. He then drove to the local police station where he reported Jessica missing. Now, remember, he admitted that when he arrived at the police station, uh, police station that he was barefoot because his shoes were still muddy from dumping Jessica in the woods. Which I thought was a weird detail when you were getting to it a moment ago. I'm like, who walks into a police station barefoot? Yeah, and it's... I guess I'm confused a little bit because... I guess I'm confused a little bit because he sells himself out, (laughs) right? Presumably. And... On the one hand, I have empathy for something thinking like, oh, it could have happened at the spur of the moment. But then on the other hand, not only does it wait the whole day to call the police or do anything about it to show any sort of remorse of this happening. Now, granted, I'm sure he's very scared. But then he hides it from his sister, takes her to a wooded area, which, to be fair, is not even that far from his fucking house. Yeah, right. So part of me is like, does he want to get caught? And then goes Mm. into the police station barefoot, like... I guess I'm just having a very hard time processing what his thought process was like because part of me is like, why wouldn't you go buy other shoes? Or why wouldn't you get another but, pair from home or yeah. admit what you did? Like, if you're going to go in and be like, oh, sorry, my shoes are still muddy. Like, but it's doesn't this sloppy. I can't tell if he wants to be caught or not. I, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that this plays into what I was kind of just touching on, which is like, he didn't plan all this. He's he's not like a, a serial killer that has a strategy. Maybe this really was an act of passion, if that's what we want to call it. And he didn't know any better. Maybe he just, you know, f- kept finding himself in these new, scary, terrifying positions. And he d- he couldn't cover his tracks for Clearly. F- no pun intended. Yeah. Right. Well, either way. Yeah. 
Oh, sorry. I want to give you no, a No, no, please, please. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, either way, Taj was arrested and charged with first-degree murder on May 21st, just 12 hours after Jessica's body was found. No surprise there. Although the prosecution right. wanted to charge Taj with murder, a higher charge than manslaughter, the team was unable to find evidence to prove that Taj actually intended to kill his wife, which is sort of what we were talking about here. Retired FBI agent G Kenneth Gray has spoken about the difficulty in this case of increasing the charge to murder, stating that manslaughter cases tend to be, quote, crimes of passion. The person gets involved in a fight and they accidentally kill someone they had not set out to kill from the beginning. That is a separate crime for murder, the deliberate Definitely. killing of another person without malice uh, aforethought. So that would make sense. That's exactly what we were talking about. On May mm -hmm. 24th, my birthday, 2021, <laughs> Taj appeared in court where his bail was set to $1.5 million. His case was then transferred to Hartford Superior Court where more serious felonies are heard. The defense team argued for a lower bail as Taj was a first-time offender with a full-time job and no assets. But Jessica's family asked that the court deny bail for Taj altogether. And authorities continued to comb through Jessica and Taj's cell phone data and uncovered evidence that the couple's relationship was, in fact, on the rocks, which Taj had sort of admitted that they were arguing about just with the yeah. acrylic nails. Just over a month before Jessica disappeared, she had sent Facebook messages to Taj telling him she wanted a divorce and letting him uh. know she planned to send over a PDF with papers for him to sign, which is what the detectives found, that she signed mm -hmm. it but didn't file it. The messages stated, quote, I want the expletive divorce papers yeah you you fill it in so i don't have to say it okay this is my moment to use the board go ahead the message is stated i want the <laughs> divorce paper signed asap sign the <laughs> so i can move on and be happy if there Which, were emmy awards for podcasting we'd win you, this okay? is our reenactment um even though you're a yeah, little slow yeah. on the upkeep it's i'm fine. a little slow sorry it's totally fine <laughs> the messages continued with jessica berating taj for repeatedly calling in sick to work Jessica complained that Taj had not worked a whole week in months while the pair was just swimming in debt. I want to get I want to come back to this in a moment, but on the phone, investigators also uncovered two unsent images of Facebook Messenger on Facebook Messenger that Taj had sent, then unsent to Jessica. The images were of Jessica herself in a bloody bra and underwear with blood appearing to be coming out of her ear. Ugh. First of all, I don't even know how you can recover unsent messages. I didn't know that was a thing. But, so. like, why would he send that to her? So weird. In December of 2021, Taj's charge was upgraded from first-degree manslaughter to murder and was additionally charged with risk of injury to a child and tampering with physical evidence. On the afternoon of March 28, 2022, a mere weeks ago... Taj failed to show up to a virtual hearing, refusing to leave his cell for the video conference, despite being instructed to go on more than one occasion, Taj, which I don't even know how he can get away with that. But Taj's attorney noted that his behavior is, quote, rather upsetting in regards to my client. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Adding that he was concerned Taj might be suffering with some mental health issues. As of today, Taj remains in the Cheshire Correctional Institution awaiting trial. And as this investigation is still ongoing, we don't quite know why Taj's charges were upgraded to murder. However, the charge upgrade means that investigators were able to find out some amount of evidence basically proving that Taj intended to murder Jessica outside of the struggle that ultimately ended her life. So, Well, I don't, I don't know for sure. I'm looking up images now. It's so sad, actually, to look at... Um... 
young images. people. Yeah, just like, yeah. it's so sad to look at this. But, I mean, I, I imagine if you're recovering messages on Facebook Messenger of Taj yeah. sending these creepy yeah. at best. I, don't, I, I guess I don't know the adjective. Odd, seditious, yeah. fucking weird images to her. Well, that could imply some sort of, te- of intent of threatening her, taunting her, yeah, trying true. to harm her in some sort of way. So obviously I can't say that for sure, but oh God, that's so sad. That's just so sad. So sad. And I wanted to come back to what we were, what you had just mentioned about the divorce. And essentially it sounded like Jessica, you know, had realized that Taj had been calling in sick and wasn't really doing his part in the marriage in terms of money. I mean, is that... I mean, we're getting into a little bit of, like, discussion about relationships, I guess, now. But, you know, if somebody is doing things like that, calling off sick, is that means or reason enough, in your opinion, to break up, have a divorce, end a relationship? For if what? If what? Like If basically someone is, like, you know calling in sick two times a week or not well, doing their end of like I, financial, you know. I certainly think, you know, I don't know how people's behavior are with work. I certainly think that there is a general assumption that you need to make with your partner about being the type right. of partner. I mean, like some partners work, some partners don't work. Some partners yeah. are ambitious, some partners aren't ambitious. But if I'm going into a relationship, being attracted to ambition or being attracted to somebody's work ethic or wanting certain things then i could see them losing that motivation not as necessarily a sign of them being a bad person but maybe as a sign of of it being that i need to change my expectations and maybe that doesn't make him a bad guy but it probably makes him a bad husband or makes him a bad (laughs) boyfriend and that and that and not not, obviously not killing her I'm, i'm talking just about the job thing here clearly yeah 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 um and i think that that's like because i think attraction wanes and ebbs and flows rather with how your partner is, you know, like, does that justify, you know, someone's going through a hard time and they can't work for X amount of time for whatever reason they're injured. They just gave birth yeah. or they can't find a job. That's one thing. If it's, I'm not going to do shit around the home, honey. And I don't care about my work and I want you to pay for everything. And I want you to raise the kids. Then like, yeah, I, I do think that's justification for breaking up with somebody. Yes. Yeah. Problematic. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but obviously this case is kind of still ongoing. I mean, he's still yeah. waiting, you know, uh, in terms of what's going to happen. And obviously more, ca- more details will be revealed shortly of why his case was upgraded. You can certainly look at it online, but uh, let us know what you think at Carpe Darren at Jay Thrasher. Shaken and Disturbed podcast fans in our Facebook group. Um, definitely let us know what you think because we're always curious about that. And let's end on a positive note with some listener shout-outs. I'm going to get to our friend Caitlin here, a longtime listener okay. of the show. She posted in our Facebook group. Okay, so I just had to pause this week's episode. John, I used to get night terrors and would see random things in the dark that would physically paralyze me after waking up. Darren Carp, I still talk in my sleep to see? the point I can have a full conversation with you. Once even telling my boyfriend, you a good guy, LOL. I'm emphasis, <laughs> emphasis my own there. And third, I never thought I, he Darren reference a Marvel show in relation yes. to anything. So it, we have crossed a threshold there. So I we like that. have Caitlin. Thank you for your message, Caitlin. If you are paying attention to our NMRs, uh, then you will see that I'm trying to get into slowly the Marvel universe. I don't know how well yeah. it's sticking, but enough for me to make a Moon Knight reference. Every, exactly. Every, every week. 
Meanwhile, Darren has one more episode to watch of Moon Knight, and I have 9, 10, 15 more hours of Survivor. I will say I like Survivor, though, yeah, so it's so, been fun. Yeah, so there you go. So more than that on NMR. But anyway, I wanted to give my very good friend, and by the way, Caitlin, thank you very much for sending yes. that in. I wanted to give my very good friend and longtime listener of our show, Amanda, a special shout out. She's recovering from a very intense medical procedure. I won't reveal her information, although she's very public about it. Um, that went very well for her. She oh. no longer has pain. Wow. And I know, and I know she spent some time catching up on her favorite shows and podcasts. So Amanda, hope you're recovering well. And both Darren and I are sending you all of our love. Right, I'm so happy the procedure went well for you. No more pain yes. is literally the goal in life. So I'm very happy I mean, that it went well. That is amazing, Amanda. And thank you for listening to us. And we hope that we were a positive part of your recovery. Yeah. I mean, imagine like, ugh, I just hate the idea that people are sitting in pain and then, you know, a surgery can change that. And then you're no longer in pain. It's like life sometimes just really well, or pills fair. sometimes can actually change that, which is yeah, why I can, right. be a, I can buy it. This is why I am a defense. I, I, I probably get defensive of people that always just talk about the opioid epidemic as if it's something that, that mm. pills are doing something to us. Pills are also a really good thing for pain management that people yeah. really do need. And people really do require when used as directed quality, quality life. Actually, the people who use pills and who OD aren't the ones who are getting prescribed it. It's people who get it on the black market where you don't know what you're getting. So it actually isn't the prescription pills that are killing people. Um, But regardless, there is a place for them. And that is certainly pain management, which is just so fucking important and so fucking helpful. So I'm so happy everything went well, Amanda. Of course, uh, please consider signing up for our Patreon if you would like bonus episodes, content, and exclusive. We don't release anywhere else. I will say, now that the weather is picking up and the summer is about to hit, I have a feeling John oh, and I are yeah. going to be hanging out a lot more, oh, yeah. doing some fun things with some videos. So now it's kind of a great time for you to sign up to our Patreon. Love that tease, Darren. You can rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And please do that. It really does help us get discovered and... um you know, we just, frankly, we like reading your comments. So yeah, make sure you just, do that. We like reading your yeah. comments. And more importantly, we love reading the re- reading the research from our favorite producer. So, John, <laughs> let's end the show as we always do by thanking our gal. One, two, three. Thanks, Thanks Megan. Megan. And I think I get. I thought you were going to hit a, I thought you were going to hit the soundboard on something. Oh, like I was going to say you like, stopped. Did you see me move to my soundboard? You're so perceptive. I know. I guess, Darren, what we can say is we love everybody and we will see you guys a few moments later. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll see you guys next week for another full episode. A few moments later. (laughs) Later. Another full episode of Shaken and Disturbed. Next Sunday, again, happy, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. That's right. Bye. But not me. Bye. But not you. Definitely not you. Okay, bye. Okay, great.